We're in 1 John 1, 1 through 4, and I've titled this sermon, Fellowship of the Word. And let me read it, and then we'll go forward from there. We announce to you what existed from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have seen and our hands handled about the word of life. The life was revealed, and we have seen, and we testify and announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us what we have seen and heard. We also announce it to you so that you, have, you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy can be complete. So I don't know about you, but I often get wakened from you know, one of those blissful, amazingly realistic dreams. Have you, has that happened to you? And you're wanting so much to go immediately back to the dream because it's so amazing and it's so blissful and it's so real and it's like makes you happy. And so you want to go back to the dream. So you're hoping that you can just go back to sleep as soon as you can, right, to continue to dream. If you could just fall back asleep, if you could just get back to that fantasy world where everybody loves you and you can fly maybe or everything you say, people clap and cheer or you're like doing your dream job or you're the president of the United States or whatever it is, um, you want to get back to that dream. Or those times when you wake up in tears and you don't remember why. Like, why am I crying? Or uh, sometimes I wake up um, laughing to myself and I totally forget what was so funny or what was making me so joyful. And the longer that you toss and turn, the further and further uh, our grasp on the dream becomes, right? The less tangible it becomes the further away, and if you wanted to share that with someone, maybe you roll over and you want to tell your wife, oh, this amazing dream, words cannot do it justice, right? You just can't explain it, and you, details, you forget the details, and you just don't know what's going on. Um, so the dream becomes more and more or less tangible. The good feelings, the emotions, the hope fades further away, drifting away. Um, and the morning gives way to disappointment, maybe, and we let go, uh, wondering if we really even dreamed it at all. Um, and the reason why I bring this up, uh, the connection I wanted to make was that John, or the elder, is making a proclamation, is making a witness uh, to his audience. And the proclamation is this. The word of life, Jesus... The person of Jesus, Jesus who is fully God and fully human, is real, right? It was real. It was true. And a major intention of the author is to reassure the community of believers uh, that indeed they were walking and are walking in the truth, that Jesus was who they thought he was, that Jesus was and remains who he said he was. Verse 1. We announce to you. What do we announce? What? What? Everyone say, what? What? What existed from the beginning. What we have heard. What we have seen with our eyes. What we have seen and our hands have handled about the word of life. What we have seen or heard. 
Like this, this tangibility, right? This first eyewitness account is really important, right, to the author. It's saying, this is what we have, this word of life, meaning Jesus Christ, we felt it. We heard it. We saw him. And then that, the part where it says, what we have seen and our hands have handled, in other translations, it's touched. Right? The Greek there implies uh, actually like examining thoroughly right? and touching. That same word is used when Jesus says, come, touch my hands and my feet, the wounds in my hands and my feet. And remember Thomas, he like really wanted to get down and dirty in there, like touch it, examine it. Right? It's very tactile. And, um, and this is really, really important because... One of the main um, tasks of the elder is that he wants to reassure. There's a conflict going on in the church. And there have been a lot of people who have exited the church. They've left the church, but they are sending itinerant preachers into the churches to preach their heresy. And uh, it's making the Christians who remained in the church confused. They're like, what? I don't know what I believe in about Jesus. I don't know if this thing, this way that I'm following is true. I don't know if Jesus is truly the son of God. I don't know if he really died on the cross and resurrected. And so John's intent is to reassure the people, to reassure them that indeed um, the way that you're living Right, it's true. You're in you're in the way, and that that has implications. That Jesus Christ is both person, right, humanity, and God has implications. That He died and resurrected has implications for how you live your life, how you love one another. So let me go into a little more background uh, of this conflict and kind of the context of First John in order to fill this out a little more. Um, so like I said, there was a group of people uh, who were kind of coming out of the church. And uh, they were saying, basically, that Jesus wasn't human. That Jesus didn't die on the cross. Um, and so you don't have to follow the commandments to love one another. And uh, there's kind of a lot of, kind of commentary about uh, where these people are coming from, where they're getting their ideas uh, but there are a couple of groups that, there's a couple like scenarios, a couple of groups. So there are some of Jewish background, right, who followed Jesus uh, but denied his divinity, right? And they fiercely, they held fiercely to Jewish law and rights, right? And then there's others who are uh, Hellenists, like Greek from a pagan, more pagan Greek background. And they were heavily influenced by uh, Greek thought. Um, you've heard of the word Gnosticism, right? Kind of a dualistic thought uh, where essentially everything that was physical of the fleshly world is evil or bad, and the ideal is to strive after knowledge, right? To strive after knowledge which was purely spiritual, right? And so the highest height you can reach is to disconnect with the material world and... Uh, gain almost like this existence of being, you know, having this spiritual knowledge. 
And so uh, that's what they say uh, docetism came out of. So docetism is just another heresy uh, that says that Jesus uh, was just in the appearance of God, but not really God, right? So Jesus, God wouldn't have been crucified on the cross, right? That's very, like, fleshly. That's very physical. And God can't die, right? And so another kind of iteration of this thinking is that, for instance, uh, Jesus might have been a man, just a regular man, uh, but then God came down and like went inside of Jesus, right? And so the so God was in possessed Jesus for a time being, and then later, right before the before the cross left him. Um, and so, what's at stake here uh, for the church and for John is that who Jesus is. Right, the historical person of Jesus. That Jesus, uh, like in the Gospel of John, chapter one, the word was right, the word was in the beginning and became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? That God sent his son and incarnated, right? Uh, and so these heretics are kind of downplaying the incarnation, they're downplaying anything that has to do with Jesus' humanity. Are you with me? Are you following me? Um, so let's, let's rewind a little bit. I'm going to keep things simple and say that the writer of the epistles of John is the same writer of the gospel of John. There's a lot of commentary about this, and people are going back and forth. Oh, it's a disciple of John. Or actually, it's the, the, the collective of the Johannine community. Like, there's a community around the apostle of John that grew up a, a different kind of sect um, or a church, a, a collection of churches. And it's that community where these writings are coming out. But we don't really care, right? We don't really care that much about that. We'll just say uh, the orthodox kind of belief is that John, right, the apostle John, uh, a.k.a. a son of thunder, right, the brother of James, son of Zebedee, a.k.a. the disciple who Jesus loved, uh, A.K.A. the Elder uh, was the writer of First John, um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. The language uh, is similar in First John as the Gospel of John. Right here in our passage, it's really similar to the preamble of, of the Gospel of John. Right? If you remember, John one says, "In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was God in the beginning." So you have the in the beginning. Uh, everything came into being through the word, and without the word, nothing came into being. Uh, uh, through the word was life. And there's that kind of idea and that concept of the word of life. And in this word is life. And the life was the light for all people. Um, in, the, in 1 John, uh, John will continue on with the image of light, bring in the image of light, uh, which we see here in um, the Gospel of John. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness doesn't extinguish the light. So language is very similar in 1 John as the Gospel of John. And the writer in 1 John speaks of himself as an eyewitness to Christ. So I don't know how many uh, eyewitnesses were rolling around there of Jesus Christ in AD 85 to 90, which is the supposed time of the writing of the Epistle of John, right? That would have made John like 85, you know, like a senior, like at the tail end of his life. And so I don't know how many eyewitnesses to the gospel uh, were rolling around there. So um, that's all to say that 
this writer was an eyewitness to Jesus. And if you, if you think about like grow, us growing up with our parents or our grandparents saying, hey, Sonny, right? You remember what, when I was a kid, we didn't have these iPads or iPhones, right? We had to like put holes in aluminum cans and connect tie strings to them and like walk for miles with these miles of string just to talk to our friends, right? And we had to walk in the snow, right? And we didn't have shoes. We had to walk barefooted, right? And, the, and we'd hear these stories and we'd be like, whatever, whatever. And I, growing up, I would be like, yeah, whatever, whatever. But I tell these tall stories all the time to Isaiah. Like, you got it easy, right? Back in the day, that was the real life. <laughs> and so here's John, an elder in the church, and that kind of, it's like waking up from a dream, right? That connection to the moment where Jesus was in history, they're further and further away. The church is further and further and getting further away from that. And there just needs to be a reminder, right? Do you remember what existed from the beginning? What we have heard? Let me tell you. I heard it, I saw him with my own eyes. I touched his wounds. And you know, the Apostle John, several times in the Gospel, or well, actually only in the Gospel of John, because he wrote it, said this referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. Right? In John 13, during the Last Supper, this was the disciple that, it says, he leaned back into Jesus' bosom right, while they're eating. That's how kind of intimate and close they were. Because Jesus had said, I'm going to be betrayed by one of you. And it says, the disciple that Jesus loved leaned back into Jesus' bosom and said, who is going to do this? Right? And again, um, it's reiterated in John 20. Right? Peter, it says, Peter saw the disciple John whom Jesus loved. Or it says, the disciple that Jesus loved who, if you remember, caveat, laid his head back in Jesus' bosom. So I think this is all to point out, like, they had a really intimate relationship, and Jesus really loved them. In another part in the gospel, right, Jesus sees his own mother, Mary, and he kind of, I can imagine them putting their hands together and says, saying, this is your son, this is your mother. His own mother, he's connecting with, the disciple that he loved and saying, this is your son, this is your mother. So there's this kind of intimate uh, connection. And so this is who is saying, I've seen him. I, I've heard him. I've laid my head in his bosom. It was hairy. <laughs> and I've touched him. I've examined him. Let me tell you about this Jesus. My Jesus, the word of life, he's not an idea out there, right? And there's all kinds of ideas going on out there. If One point of reference, if you, read, if you remember in Acts, Paul goes to Athens, right? The Greek city of Athens. And it says he goes uh, to where all the philosophers are debating and discussing different philosophies. And it says that the, the philosophers there all were interested in anything new, any new idea. 
And they were interested in what Paul had to say about Jesus and the resurrection because they're like, tell me about this new thing that we've never heard of before. Right? And this is kind of what's happening here. It's like, there's this eyewitness account of a personal Jesus who walked around, a real human being, God enfleshed, um, dwelling among us. Right? And all of these relationships that were around us. But there's this movement of people who are like, oh, Jesus, that's not who Jesus was. Right? And so one of the things that was happening in those communities were people were getting baptized uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so, so this, in, in the dualistic kind of thinking, they're like, we're anointed because the Holy Spirit is coming on us, which makes us infallible, which makes us sinless, which makes us perfect. Right? So listen to us. We're, 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 we've achieved the spirituality. Um, but later on, John wants to remind him, it's not just baptism of water that Jesus was about. It's baptism of the blood. Right? He died to cover your sins, for your sins. You are sinful. And so one of the things is recognizing your, their sinfulness. Right? It's not like a, we are, we're sinless, right? We're achieving this kind of state of spirituality. It's more like, don't avoid what's going on in your life, right? Don't deny that there's sin, right? Because that's the very thing that Jesus came to do. That's why Jesus died, and he's resurrected, and that's why we're his body. That's why this community is being formed around this word of life. Because there was a walking, breathing Jesus who died for us. Are you guys with me, church? It's not just a new idea. Right? It's not just this piece of knowledge. Let me tell you about the word of life. And that's why, um, that's why he moves into this idea of fellowship. Right? You see in a beginning verse 3, the second part of verse 3, we also announce to you, we witness and proclaim this word of life so that you can have fellowship with us. You can have community with us. You can be in the same family as us. Our fellowship is with Father, with the Father, with His Son, Jesus Christ. So we're saying all this so we can be in relationship, right? So we can be a body together, so we can be a family together. And it's the same type of fellowship that the Father had with Jesus, who, by the way, was the Son of God, right? Jesus, just as Jesus fellowshiped with the Father, we are announcing to you about Jesus, the living Jesus, so that you can have fellowship with us. And we are writing these things in fellowship with us so that your joy can be made complete. Right? So there's a lot of like organizations or clubs or, or communities out there who want, right? Who want to solicit you, want you to be their member they want you to be in their DVD club, or they want you to be in the Chamber of Commerce, or 
Christian business or if you're a college student, you know, there's hundreds of right, organizations, student organizations that want you to sign up, give you their contact information so they could, you know, put you on their list um, so you can be a part of them, so you can join them. Everyone wants you to join them. Everyone is inviting you to join them, right? And I heard a pastor preach this and he said, right? But none of them are saying, come join us and we will make your joy complete, right? (laughs) Everything that you are suffering and struggling with, you're sad, life is not going well. Well, if you join us, your joy will be made complete, right? And the truth of the matter is only communion and fellowship with God and Jesus Christ and God's people can make your joy complete. Amen? God is calling us into a relationship. Right? Jesus is calling out to us to be in relationship, in fellowship with him. It's not an idea. It's not a thought. Right? It's not an ecstatic state right? that you achieve or reach. It's not something that um, kind of a state of perfection or sin, sinlessness. It's actually coming as we are in our depravity, who we are, and saying, I need you. I want to be with you. And John, um, his purpose in First John is not just to rip on uh, these heretics, these other itinerant preachers, uh, that are speaking wrong things into community. But his, his main kind of emphasis, his main purpose is to reassure these other Christians who are confused. Like, don't forget what was in the beginning. Don't forget, let me tell you, these stories, right? Join this fellowship because Jesus is here. Right? And we are Jesus' body. And in this fellowship, um, your joy will be complete. I think there are so many uh, ways that we can wander kind of searching for answers and searching for things that will satisfy and kind of find the right system in which to order our lives or find the right worldview or kind, of, or kind of way of thinking, or put ourselves around, rub elbows with the right people, or do the right hobbies, you know, kind of find ourselves, find the things that we like. Um, and, a, and sometimes these things um, kind of trick us into believing that, right? We have the life. And what John is saying and what I'm saying to us as a community is the word of life is among us, right? You have access to Jesus Christ. And he's calling you by your name and he knows you. And he wants you uh, to get to know him and to step more deeply into relationship with him and that it's real 
And if you feel confused, right, in your life, like, what do I believe? Like, I don't know. Who is Jesus? Don't you, don't you, I get that. I'm a pastor. I'm called, right, to be a preacher of the gospel of the word. And sometimes I'm like, wait, if you think about it, it's really weird. Like, God became a person and, like, died and then came back to life. It's like, man, it's a hard sell. Right? It's like, it feels like a really hard sell if you think about it. Especially because we're so far removed, right, from the historical Jesus, from the point of contact, right? It's like the dream again, where it's like, I'm crying, but I've forgotten why I'm crying. I'm laughing, but what was so funny? And I'm trying to explain this dream to the person next to me, and I don't have words. Or I'm trying to even explain it to myself, and I'm just saying, I'm just crazy, right? And what John is saying is, remember, this was from the beginning, right? Taste and see how good Jesus Christ is. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you for your son, who is the word, um, who became flesh and dwelt among us who lived his life to love people. And as we'll read in 1 John, that this has meaning. That (coughs) emphasizing your humanity and emphasizing the fact that you died on the cross means that uh, there's a reason that we should love one another. That our relationships on earth matter. And our relationships with one another matter. And that part of uh, being with you and fellowship with you means that we're in fellowship with one another and that we're loving one another. And that in this, um, there's a path to, to joy, that our joy is made complete, that we find that which we've been looking for, that we find the reason for our tears and the reason for our laughter and the reason for our longings. In your name we pray. Amen.